I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I am so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have the amazing Jessel Tank, one of my favorite New York City Real Housewives. Thank you. Um, Jessel, you are so beautiful in person Thank and I'm you. so happy to have you. Guys, I want to tell you all about Jessel Tank before we get started. So Jessel is a New York-based fashion publicist and brand consultant. She grew up in London in a tight-knit family and then has been all over the place and is now our own New Yorker. She's a graduate of the prestigious King's College in London where she got a degree in English and journalism and she grew up surrounded by the influences of her grandfather's bespoke tailoring business and her mother's passion for art and design. And all of those things kind of came together into the person you have here today who is so amazing for forging a career in fashion uh, after that. So you, Jessel, you've worked at so many cool places, Condé Nast International, Stella McCartney, Celine, Victoria Beckham, Michael Kors, Westfield, and you currently run a boutique agency called The No that specializes in consulting newly formed brands, which is so cool. I feel like people need that expertise yeah. from a wide it's variety so of sources. <laughs> You also launched your own e-commerce platform in the fall of this past year to make Southeast Asian fashion more accessible. And you and your husband and your two twin boys are part of this new cast of The Real Housewives of New York City. And that's how most of us have come to know and love you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, well, I I really feel like people need to know the you (laughs) behind the Housewives show because there's more there's more depth than comes across in a soundbite sometimes. Oh well, the soundbites, yeah, I I, that was crazy in itself because I didn't realize I had so many one-liners under my belt. But um, yes, I think that you know you see someone on a TV show for an hour, you know. And you sort of think you know them, but you never really, you know, you don't really know someone. Yeah. Even on Instagram. Like, it's just, it's curated life, you yeah. know? It's the not, highlight reel, as they the say. highlight reel. Or I feel like for the show, sometimes it's the highlight and low light reel. Oh. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the bifurcated reel. <laughs> it's a spaghetti bolognese. Like, that is literally everything and then some. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's intense. Okay, so I have to start by asking you, what was it like being on The Real Housewives of New York City? Um, you know, I think overall, um, now that I reflect on it and now that the show's aired and all has been said and done, um, it was a really fun experience. Um, but you know, it's, it's like I said, it was very intense. You're, um, showing your entire life, your relationships, your family, your career on national television. And, um, it was opening because I think that for me, the biggest thing was, um, how sensitive people are to the small things and the minutia and the detail. And um, I think that's what, you know, you sort of do. You sit on your couch and you watch reality TV and you sort of like pick apart um, these people's lives. And so it was tough. I've got to be honest, it wasn't easy. So when everyone says you need get thin, thick skin to get through this and, and to be on, you know, national TV in a reality capacity, I really, truly understand what that means. Yeah, absolutely. So... 
How did you decide to be on the show? What was that process like? Was there a screening and selection? Did you have any moments of pause where you were thinking, oh my gosh, should I really do this? Of course. Um, you know, essentially it wasn't an easy decision, um, especially, you know, when kids were involved and um, you always want to protect, especially that element of, of that world. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the, 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 the most important thing for me was being the first Indian um, to be on the franchise. And I think that was, you know, being Indian yourself, like you're showcasing a culture that I feel is largely represented in the media and in entertainment. And so given that opportunity to be that person, um, you know, and, and represent and sort of have, um, have such a, I guess, share such, we have such a rich culture and, and share that with the rest of the world and even the country was so important to me. Yeah, that's so nice and important because people, talk a lot about representation and DEI, but it's hard to kind of walk the walk and talk the talk and yeah. do it yourself because you're really putting yourself out yeah. there for all of the chitter chatter and oh, yeah. the internet stuff <laughs> and the reposts and all of that. And I think, I mean, you sort of, you don't really see and hear a lot of Indians on this type of platform because we are private. I, I think that that's one of the things. Definitely. We, we really do live our lives behind closed doors. Um, and it was just kind of, I kind of like made it my mission to maybe break some of those boundaries and break some of those, you know, stereotypes and, um, and really show what a modern Indian family or a modern Indian female could be or is. I think it's really cool that you did that because there's so many people who have such diverse backgrounds who make up the fabric of New York City. Right. And I thought it was really cool to see somebody who I thought was relatable personally, but not not just for your heritage, but also for all of the different viewpoints and yeah. kind of colorful attributes that you bring. <laughs> colorful is definitely <laughs> the word, yeah. Um, great. Well, um, were there any moments after the show aired or during the airing of the show that were difficult for you or where you felt like you were not able to present yourself the way you wanted to present yourself? Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, comes with the territory of reality TV and they talk about the edit process and obviously you, you can't control what that looks like. So for me as a publicist, all I do is control things. I control narratives. I control, you know, what a brand looks like, what it should feel like. I control my life and everything that surrounds me. And then to kind of, you know, I guess almost hand that over to someone and then not have control over it was probably one of the hardest things about it. Um, we had filmed for about four months and, you know, you sort of, you, you're filming and you're going through the process. You don't really understand until the show airs exactly what this is. Um, so I think it was watching the first episode, it got hit like by almost a brick because you're like, oh my God, wait, I said that, but it, it, it's not in that context and it, it's being misconstrued or it's being shown in a way that maybe isn't, you know, in the light you meant in the context that you meant it. So it's a very, it was a very tough pill to swallow, um, until you really start wrapping your head around, you know the larger picture um and i think that you just have to come to terms with with who you are and it's eye-opening i mean can you imagine watching yourself on tv for four months straight for four months absolutely <laughs> not i mean i can do a talking head news <laughs> clip but that's like not you know it's a yeah. totally different animal um did you feel like you were portrayed fairly 
Was it, was that, was it real? Is it real? Um, I think in the first half of the season, I, I, I think that they, they production, the edit team wanted to some, I, I guess that the best way to put it is they wanted to spark a reaction in people towards me. And so simple things, I guess I was portrayed as like a bossy Indian woman, right? Like you're, you're bossing your husband around, you're sort of like very opinionated, you're outspoken. And that's how I was portrayed in the first half. And then as you get to know me, you sort of understand it's just like there are elements in my personality um, and, and those are just some of them. Um, but look, if you're an outspoken you know, woman that likes things done a certain way, why is that perceived in a bad light? Like why are people having a reaction to that in a negative way? So it was interesting to me to understand, like especially looking at yourself in self-reflection um, throughout that whole process, um, you know, men do it. And if a man was saying clean that table it's dirty like would they have had the same reaction that i had you know so yeah it's it eye-opening yeah it's interesting yeah. how perception begets perception and it right. becomes this other reality that's outside of you yeah i think that it is a difficult job to put yourself in the hands of another editor who's maybe leaving the backstory on the cutting room floor and then all of, all of a sudden it's just like the one-liner. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's probably what makes it such a fun TV show to watch because it's all fast and snippets and snippety, but... Yeah. Um, it's pieces of I, a puzzle. Yeah. Um, but I think essentially at the end of the day, um, you know... Us as a group of women, um, it was, uh, what we did was very aspirational. I mean, we sort of, you know, the, the franchise for New York has been running for 13 years and we were, we are the most diverse cast um, to exist in any franchise to date. So that in itself is very inspirational. And then, you know, just to kind of watch everyone's life unfold and the stories and the amount of courage and strength it takes to do what we do, but also to share our stories um, to the rest of the world is yeah, and know. it's so overdue. And it's good that it's in a city like New York, where yeah. it is a city of diverse people from all over. So it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. But speaking of that, you um, shared a lot of really personal stuff on the show, including your journey with IVF. And I wanted to speak a little bit about that and um, ask you about how it felt to share something that personal and why it was important for you to speak about a topic like IVF and fertility. Yeah, I think um, fertility in general in our culture is, I mean, there's a lot of things that are considered taboo in the Indian culture, but especially that, you know, it's like relationship issues or, um, you know, infertility or just, I think that I wanted to really, um, I guess, diffuse some of that stigma and let's actually open up the conversation to um, to allow girls that look like me and you and, and are, you know, going through these struggles to feel the confidence to be able to share what they're actually going through. Um, I went through, what, like five rounds, so it's about a total of three years of, you know, IVF and reproductive, like, sort of... Um, you know, issues. And I did it alone um, just because I wasn't, A, it was a matter of like, I didn't want to worry my parents. They live in London and I was, you know, here. Um, but also like, I also don't know how to talk about those things because we have been, you know, we're sort of put in this like very protective, um, almost like insular um, community. As an Indian woman, you don't really have or feel that, that the safety of speaking about those things. 
Um, so I squashed it and I wanted to squash it and what better to do it than on national television. Yeah. Um, I think it makes it so much more acceptable and easy for people to talk about these topics and to understand that it's not just an anonymous stranger that you read about on the internet. It's your friends and neighbors and maybe you or your family member and everybody goes through this. I think especially for professional women who are delaying a little bit the age of you know, getting together with someone or deciding to sure. have kids, this becomes more and more of a topic. I know it's been a big taboo topic for women in surgery. Right. And um, recently a lot of papers and research has been done on women um, in my field in, in plastic surgery who delay their reproductive window so much to go through all these years of education and training that they silently suffer and some uh, some people are never able to conceive. Uh, some people delay the window so much that they go through these struggles and it's just not spoken about. Right. It's like the first time and it's been going on forever, yeah. literally forever, but it's the first time people it, are speaking about it. It's really, and it, it's, thank God, because, um, you know, it happens so often and I just remember when I was going through it, you know, people like Chrissy Teigen who are so... Um, brave to share, you know, every struggle that you know she's been through on social media, and I just remember thinking, I, I was able to relate to her in, in a way that really helped me get through those, you know, times. And so, you know, in in the moments where I was talking about this on on the show, I just kept thinking like maybe I can help, you know, if someone's watching and they're in the same situation, maybe it's just a way to help someone. Um, and it's what I wanted to do, so. Uh, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of opinions about it, um, but essentially the amount of feedback I got, it was, it was all positive, um, from friends who like, I'd even like, I've known people that I've known people to not have kids, but then they reached out to me being like, oh my God, like, this is why, you know, and I had no idea. So yeah, that's really cool. And you're also, in addition to the TV show, an entrepreneur. So I want to hear a little bit more about your um, company and your web platform and can you just explain a little yeah. bit more about the backstory and what you do well you're Indian so you know how hard it is to get Indian clothes like that whole process is just a nightmare and um, it really started from when I was shopping for my wedding and that's in 2014 and I just remember like it was so overwhelming you can either go to India physically for like two weeks and pay for an airline ticket and and go there and do all these crazy appointments and like you know shop like a, a headless chicken for two weeks and come back um but there was really no other solution um and so i have just been thinking about the amount of talent that's coming out of india the the amount of creativity and skill and um you know it, it's it's far beyond what we're being exposed to. And so I'm creating a platform that really showcases um, and, and markets these designers coming out of India. And there's so many of them and they're so cool. And it's not just Indian clothes. I mean, they're making beautiful gowns, Western, Eastern, like it's just a beautiful harmony, like symphony of, of, of talent that's coming through. Um, so it's called Ushk and um, it really is like the one-stop shop for, for everyone that wants to kind of stand out from the crowd and explore and discover new talent and new designers, new fashion. Um, and, you know, I'm so proud to be Indian. And I think that what we offer to, to the fashion industry is just, it's, um, it's on another level. So why not celebrate that? Yeah, I think that's so amazing. And I'm so happy that you're doing that because 
I think the Indian diaspora is so wide-ranging and the diaspora itself is diverse and so not everybody wants to buy a sari or lingo like their wedding day you know (laughs) you want to also have an assortment of clothing items that you might wear for different other occasions and I remember when I was um, growing up it was always um, a challenge in Los Angeles to find clothing and I guess it's not really any different today it really isn't I mean Los Angeles don't even get me started about LA I mean it really is impossible that that little strip of uh, is it called Artesia, I want to say. Like, the, the stuff is, like, marked up 10x because they know that they have a monopoly on this stuff. And so, um, again, the more I talk about, uh, talk to designers about what I'm doing, um, the more I'm sort of, like, you know, developing and, and really discovering this entire universe of, like, you know, design coming out of India. I just am very excited about, you know, the opportunity. And tell me a little bit more about your agency, The No, and what you're doing with that. Um, so The No, I've always been, I mean, I've been a publicist for what, 20 years now almost. Um, it's what I do and what I've known to do um, my entire career. Um, I think, you know, I've been working for such large brands um, and such well-known names. Um, and post-COVID, I really... I don't know, I, I felt a little bit uninspired coming out of COVID. I think that the world changed and the world as we know it changed so quickly and the fashion world certainly changed very fast. Um, and so, you know, coming out of COVID, I really wanted to switch gears. And um, I think for me, it was like focusing on brands that maybe didn't have the budget or didn't have the the, the bandwidth to, um, you know, pay a big agency. And I just started working with um, really, really cool, smaller, um, smaller brands. And it's been really gratifying. Um, and, you know, we've done a lot of really great work. Um, and it's something that I'm continuing to do, but it's, it's a lot going on right now. So yeah. um, I'm just trying to balance it all out. You yeah, know? yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who is thinking about either reality TV or life in the public space or what it means to be a public facing person. And with that, I specifically mean the good and the bad of it, how to deal with online hate and, um, you know, trolls and comments and things like that, but then also how to make the most of it. Yeah. I, you know, it's something I had to learn the hard way, but I think self-confidence just goes a long way. And I know that's I don't say that lightly. I see myself as a very confident person, but going through this process, you know, you sort of start to disintegrate because the amount of online, like, just hate that's out there. I mean, to people channel all this negativity and direct it to you, you better have thick skin. Um, so I think, you know, really working on yourself and really being able to um, take that negativity and sort of like, you know, turn a blind eye to it and, and just focus on your goals and, and what makes you a better person and what makes you aspirational um, is kind of where my head is at and what I would recommend people to do. Um, but yeah, self-confidence, um, never doubt yourself and don't be afraid to be different because I think in this reality space, it's so easy to be this cookie cutter character that you're sort of being molded to be. Um, and I think people are afraid or unsure how to relate to anyone that's different and so in my case it worked for me and I think being different should not be looked up you not should should not be frowned upon it should be embraced 
Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of my two things that I would say. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I like to ask everyone who's on the podcast, since it's beauty bosses, um, what does beauty mean to you? Um, sorry, I answered this earlier. Uh, I Going back to what I just said about self-confidence, I think that really being so comfortable within your own skin exudes from within and from without. So that to me is beautiful. You know, whether it's like wearing no makeup and doing nothing to your face and just like being natural and if that's working for you, then that's great. Um, I think beauty is, is such a loaded concept, right? Especially like nowadays, there's so much pressure to look and feel a certain way. Um, but again, like really not succumbing to that pressure and just being comfortable within your skin. Yeah, that's so beautiful and nice. Well, I am so happy Thank to you have you today. Me. Can you tell everybody where to find you and catch up with you and yeah. learn about all of your I exciting can, happenings? I can only deal with one social media platform right now, <laughs> so I'm on Instagram. Okay. It's at Jessel Tank and um yeah, and, and stay tuned for Oosh. It's going to be launching soon. Yeah, and that's um, O-U-S-H-Q. Q. It means okay. timeless in Arabic. And oh, I, that's beautiful. I thought that it would be um, a nice way to talk about fashion, especially like Indian fashion, because it is quite timeless. Yeah, that's um, beautiful. And it never really goes out of style. So, yeah, thanks Thank so much. you so much. Thank you. Thank you.